lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in here today. Live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace, Todd Erzin. And Aaron McIntyre, they're here with me as well. If you'd like to join us today, 888-900-3393 is the number. That's 888-900-3393. You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. If that's more convenient for you, email the program, steve at stevedace.com. Try, emphasis on try, liking us on Facebook. Just look for my name, Steve Dace, that's D-E-A-C-E, or follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show, and we've got something new for you there as well. If you're looking for clips that you can sample or share of the program, go to YouTube.com slash Steve Dace, that's YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. Coming up here today on the show, Busy Tuesday. My good friend, Congressman Chip Roy, will be joining us from the great state of Texas at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, some fake news or not, plus Pop Culture Tuesday. We're going to feature a rarity nowadays. The church in a mainstream film given a positive and realistic, and I would even say righteous portrayal. We're going to talk about that coming up uh, in the next hour of the show. But before we get to all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Primary Day again. Voters in Michigan, Idaho, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and Washington will have their say today in the Democratic primary process. The latest polls out of Michigan have Joe Biden leading handily over Bernie Sanders. The Real Clear Politics polling average shows a lead of 55.7 to 33.3 for Biden. In Missouri, Biden leads Sanders as well, 57.5% to 31.5. Biden holds a narrow lead in Washington state, according to some of the most recent polls there. 352 delegates are at stake in today's primary contests. The latest tally of delegates, according to the Associated Press, has Joe Biden leading Bernie Sanders 670 to 574. Biden picked up yet another endorsement yesterday. I know that this is a moral moment in America. It is a moral moment. This election is not about right or left. It's about right or wrong. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders made another promise. Trump and his friends want to cut funding for Planned Parenthood. Well, we've got some bad news for them because we're going to substantially increase funding. And he railed about something that hasn't even been invented. The Trump administration has suggested, as some of you know, Uh, that the vaccine might be too costly for some people to afford. How vulgar, obscene is that idea? When that vaccine is developed, and it must be developed as quickly as we can, working with folks all over the world, obviously. It should be made free. Speaking of the coronavirus, this clip from Dr. Drew Pinsky went viral recently. We are not overreacting. The press is overreacting, and it makes me furious. The press should not be reporting medical stories as though they know how to report it. We will, If we have a pandemic, I won't know how to tell that we're actually having a pandemic because everything is an emergency. The press needs to shut up mm. because you're more likely to die of influenza that's right, what it, right that's now. What Three no people died on the streets of Los Angeles this morning mm. from homelessness. Why wow. 
if that were coronavirus, people would freak the hell out. You're right. Why aren't we putting our parties in the right place? It's the press. The press does not know how to report on medical issues. It's where I first learned Should about Should we have consultants? How- also, regarding the Wuhan coronavirus, I made a terrible error during yesterday's montage, and I'd like to correct it now for learning Spanish today. Today's phrase is, coronavirus got invited to speak at CPAC before Steve did. Thank you to all 50 of you who've sent that funny joke to me in the past three days. Coronavirus fue invitado a hablar en el CPAC antes que Steve. Gracias a los 50 que me han enviado esa broma divertida en los últimos tres días. President Trump announced yesterday he'd be pushing lawmakers to enact a payroll tax cut and other measures to help workers amidst the coronavirus panic in a bid to quell the economic concerns over the spread of the disease. We're also going to be talking about hourly wage earners getting uh, help so that they can uh, be in a position where they're not going to ever miss a paycheck. Meanwhile, on MSNBC... Sorry, wrong clip. This is not to fear monger. This is it would be irresponsible for us to to create panic when it's undue. That being said, we know 80 percent of the population is going to survive. Also, meanwhile, in Memphis, Tennessee. And don't nobody want their child to be sick and don't nobody want to take their virus to their house. Parents with children at Treadwell Middle and elementary schools are not playing around. Many wiped their kids down and some even sprayed them with disinfectant spray as they took them home Monday. And I wiped my shoes and backpack down when I got them out of school, sure did, gave them gloves, sure did. Parents are doing this after they found out an employee who works at Treadwell Middle and Elementary came in contact with a person who tested positive for the coronavirus in Memphis. Two garbage bags. My shoes and came and loose. Two sacks. Another sack. I want to know where to go. I want to go. The latest numbers from the CDC shows 423 total confirmed cases of the Wuhan coronavirus in the United States. And now a heartbreaking story from the other side of the pond. Kira Bell is a 23-year-old woman who is suing a mental health facility in the UK after they prescribed her puberty blockers and surgery, removing her breasts, to treat gender dysphoria when she was a teenager. The, the whole process is really, really traumatic, really, when, when I'm looking back on it. And um, it, it's, it's, you, there's no going back from it, really, because, um, you know, you are changed forever visibly. There was no real investigation into um, the other mental health issues that I was going through or any other factors that could possibly be contributing to the feelings that I had at the time. I think depression kind of kicked in a bit more because I, I was without any hormones in my body and, you know, especially at such a young age when it's supposed to be, you know, at its peak almost. That's, um, yeah, very detrimental. In related news, a bill making its way through the Alabama legislature would ban surgery and hormone blockers for youth seeking to go through so-called gender transition. Late last week, senators in the state voted 22 to 3 to approve the bill that would make it a felony for doctors and other medical providers to prescribe hormone blockers or surgeries to minors. And finally, pro-abortion feminists in Mexico tried to throw a Molotov cocktail during one of their rallies. You can guess how that went. And that's what happened while we were away. Is it just me or is it getting dumber out there? A bit. A tad. The, the dumb 
the dumb is getting dumber. Aaron's montage today brought to you by our good friends over at Rough Greens, VitaSmart, who want to help your dog to thrive again with my dog's new obsession, Rough Greens, VitaSmart. Now, this is not a new dog food, but a supplement for the food that your dog already has, because just as they do with the human food, pretty much all, all the dog food you buy nowadays has been stripped of all those live cultures that our pets need, just like we need for the same reasons, because if you leave those microbacterias and those enzymes and those prebiotics and probiotics in there, you can't have a two to three year shelf life and mass production. That's why a lot of our foods don't have the nutrients we need. That's why we're taking so many supplements as humans. Same thing for our dogs. That's where Rough Greens VitaSmart comes in. And apparently it's not just healthy, but tasty because our dog absolutely inhales it when we mix it with his food. So if you want to take the Rough Greens VitaSmart, smart 14-day jumpstart challenge you can do so today for your dog for just $14.95 $14.95 and see the difference in your dog in 14 days or less all right go to roughgreens.com to give it a shot r-u-f-f is how rough greens is spelled roughgreens.com slash blaze again that's roughgreens.com slash blaze and you're looking for the rough greens 14-day jumpstart with rough greens vitasmart at roughgreens.com slash blaze we're going to get into what's at stake tonight with democratic primary night and uh what kind of razor's edge is bernie sanders on heading into these states this evening we'll get into that in the overtime for our blaze tv subscribers at blaze tv.com slash dace if you're already a subscriber cool for you uh just uh, be patient later this afternoon we will record it and post it there for you that little mini bonus episode if you're not yet a blaze tv subscriber and would like to become one that's also where you can go to get a discounted subscription to blaze tv not just our stuff but all the stuff we do each day at blaze tv blaze tv.com slash days let's get to the rest of what's in aaron's montage and uh, i <sighs> I'm just going to say this, okay? And I I I really believe that what I'm about to say is is what's driving this contrived hysteria over coronavirus. Let me issue this disclaimer though before I say this. This does because because there there's been um, I've I've been I've experienced enough tribalism from every direction the last few years to know that you just can't take discernment for granted nowadays. You just can't take adulting for granted. You can't just trust that everything is not binary choice to death, particularly because what are we having this year? An election, so everything will be binary choice to death. Right, it, it, the last few years were they were they banner for adulting and distinction? They saying? were not. They were not. Yeah. Well, as bad as they were, I promise this year will be worse because this is what elections do to us. So let me issue this disclaimer here from the outset: treat this strain of flu seriously. Treat it like any other flu season. Wash your hands. Eat healthy. If you're sick, 
stay home. Don't go around a bunch of people who are sick. You know, the stuff that you do pretty much every winter, just keep doing that. Anything else? You're such a grim reaper, man. Okay. Death follows you wherever you go. Oh, yes. Yeah. But if, if you're talking about the death of, of um, uh, sanity, you're right. It does tend to follow me wherever I go. You're right about that part. Okay. With, with that disclaimer out of the way. The other America desperately is trying, and I think wants on a subconscious level, a tribulation, an apocalyptic event. The left, the left America wants it bad. They are desperately attempting, and it's not just the media. I mean, I, it, that behavior in Memphis that Aaron displayed is a reaction to the information they're getting from the, the information sources that they choose of their own adult free will. They, they choose to be informed by the people producing this hysteria. They're giving them the news that they want. Same people told them, I'll go out and hey, we, we, vote for Joe Biden last Tuesday. Same exact mentality. I was listening to a, a sports show in a college town this morning, and the host was having a meltdown over this. And one of the things he said, man, maybe I've been watching too much CNN. <laughs> Doctor, well, well, tell me about the kinds of dreams you're having. I don't know. They're really rapey, violent, and I'm really disturbed by them. Anyway, um, I, I'm on Pornhub 16 hours a day. Anything else you'd like to know? What, what 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 else you think? You think. This is I'm about to give you the best life advice I could ever give you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Turn off the cable news. In that order. The left America, this is religion to them. The religious fervor you see at their rallies on issues like killing kids, promoting perversity, the religious fervor over climate change, global warming, right? We've talked about this in a lot of, of other contexts, right? And one of the things we've done over the years is pointed out that there that progressivism as a religious cult has counterfeit versions of what orthodox religions contain right every orthodox religion also has its it has its own creation story for the status progressive leftist religion they've got darwinism there's a there's a hermeneutic a sacramental system for you to um uh to show your level of devotion, uh, to uh, to demonstrate publicly your penance. Okay, they have their own as well. Um, child killing, uh, rainbow jihad, 
um, salvation by recycling. They have all these exact same things, right? Okay. It's like the white witch wearing Aslan's mane. It desperately well wants said. to replace it. Yes. All right. They have their youth ministry. It's called the government school system, right? That's that's their their youth ministry. They have their own praise team. Um, that's that's pop culture, right? Okay. Everything else, they, I mean, they have they've got the their own ecclesiology, liturgy, everything. What you are now watching, are you ready for this? What you are now watching is the progressive leftist religion's eschatology. Breach. That's what you're watching now. It, it, is tr- it desperately wants to have an end times event. CNN and MSNBC have become the progressive leftist religion's version of color-coded rapture chart guy. And just like some of you in my own audience will continue to buy how Lindsay books, no matter how many times he's been wrong the last 30 years about when Jesus will return, so will their people continue to, this is the new panic. Net neutrality was a panic. Y2K was a panic. Swine flu, bird flu, SARS, H1N1, panic, 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 panic. This one is particularly, this year will be panic after panic after panic. Because what it really wants, it's trying to, you know, if you think you're your own God, you can create your own rapture. Let's, let's, let's inflict a tribulation upon the American people in the hopes they will rapture us out of a second term of a Trump presidency come November. Now, some of you are going to say to me, wow, Steve, you have really changed. I can't believe you're this much up Trump's rear end that you think this is what it's all about. I haven't changed at all. And neither have they. I'm not the one obsessed with him. We barely talk about him on this program. I would venture to guess there isn't a show of any standing in the, on a national conservative media platform that talks less about Donald Trump than we do. Can you guys know of one? Nope. I don't know of one. That's, that's on a real conservative platform. You know, I'm not talking about, uh, uh, you know, liberal Republican garbage, you know, I, platforms I create so that CNN will book me. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. Like a real conservative platform. I would venture to guess we talk less about Donald Trump than anybody else does. That's on purpose, by the way. That's not an accident. Because in the grand scheme of things, he's a bit player in this morality play. He's not the passion play here. Their worldview is. And this is just... The next es- he's he's this is just the next escalation of Sandra Fluck, Cindy Sheehan. Visiting Daniel Ortega. Going to the Soviet Union for my honeymoon, or Bill Clinton going there to give a speech while I'm dodging the draft. This is this is the spirit of the age that's producing this. He's not, he's not the catalyst of any of this. They are. 
Why do I keep my focus on that worldview? Because that's the story here. And if we didn't have Donald Trump as president right now, and some nicey nice Republican who never had sex with anybody other than who they than than their wife for the first time on their wedding night, and visited every Billy Graham crusade like it was a Grateful Dead tour, they'd be doing this too, just a different variation of it. It just would look different. But this is the spirit of the age driving the left America. Now you have the Ivy League, which has maybe 15 people show up to its basketball tournament every year. We're going to cancel our basketball tournament because of uh, coronavirus. Do you have any reported deaths we have had worldwide? Just over 4,000 is the number. That's about 1,000 more than the amount of our own children we kill every single day. Dr. Drew Pinsky first became a household name in America when he hosted a show with Adam Carolla on MTV called Loveline, where teenagers would call up and, and find out, how can I make anal sex feel better? And um, what do you think of the rainbow parties? That's before we had the rainbow jihad. That's where, you know, um, you would Oprah would talk about this stuff too, and kids would go to parties, and the girls would show up with rings that, would, that, would, that had certain colors about what sexual favors they were willing to perform for the boys. Do you remember that show? I do. That that's Dr. Drew Pinsky first became a household name hosting that program. He's now Aristotle. That's because of what the what the spirit of the age that is driving this. 20 years ago, you watched Dr. Drew Pinsky for masturbatory advice. Now we turn to Dr. Drew Pinsky to deliver us from idiocracy. These people desperately want a crisis. They want one bad. They need to believe that, that, that voting for Donald Trump produced some sort of end times trigger. They want it bad. They hope that this is a tribulation that will panic the people enough to save them, to rapture them away from, from the evils of a second term. That is what is driving all of this. They want this apocalyptic event and they need it, which is even worse. And they are bound and determined to drag all the rest of us down into this pit with them. Because in the left America's rapture, you don't go up, you go down. Gentlemen, your thoughts. You know, in Aaron's montage there, the, the connectivity between what you just said and the, the, the gal who had who's now suing the medical community in some level because mm -hmm. she had puberty blockers pushed on her. Mm -hmm. it, the same thing is happening. They don't, they don't care about what the good and the true and the beautiful really get replaced with as long as it gets replaced, which is why, as I, I made the Aslan white witch, uh, lion witch in the wardrobe, they, that's why they're, it's okay if there's a ton of carnage. 
They, they don't need to know. They'll figure that out afterwards, whatever. But as long as it gets replaced. So there's they can sit here with coronavirus. And I actually said, oh, only 80% will survive and say things like that. And it doesn't register in their head as like, how irresponsible is this? Well, why? These are smart people, don't they know? They do know. They have another agenda that's operating at a far, far deeper level. They really need, if Obama was president and all of the same variables were going on, do you honestly believe the level of hysteria in the United States would be going on the same right now? Of course not. Of course not. They need to wear the certain people wear this uh, as as somehow indicative of you are the flat earth society. This happens because you even exist. That's how much they hate the other. Yes. And I mean, this is in some ways coronavirus is their Jonestown Kool-Aid. I mean, this is this is what will deliver them into the next realm. This is this is, yep. a, again, what what you mentioned about this is their eschatology. This is this is what will, as you said before, deliver a rapture. And I'm glad you brought up Hal Lindsey. And there's been there's been many of them who keep predicting rapture after rapture after rapture, and it never comes. And mark my words, I was going to save this for my prediction on on Friday's day's group. But much like Hal Lindsey, this is not going to be the last time something like this happens because this is, I think from now on, you know, meteorologists in the last few years, they've been, they've, they've taken to naming winter storms. Have you noticed that phenomenon? Mm -hmm. They've taken to naming winter storms that never happened before, at least that I can remember, at least that just happened in the last few years. I think they're going to start taking to when it's convenient for them naming strains of the common cold, common in air quotes cold, because they're seeing what they can do with it. They, they're seeing the power that they can wield with with sowing mass discord and mass hysteria. That's what we're going to see more and more frequently in the future. As as uh, the vein of, of Hal Lindsey, well, he, Jesus didn't return on this day, but I've got new information that, re- that says he's going to return on this day at this time. That That's going to happen, mark my words. You, Your Twitter feed, in my opinion, Todd, is a must-read right now because you are sharing all this crazed, dire information under the theme of Black Mirror. All right. I know you touched on this a little bit yesterday. I want you to go into more detail here. Why why do you keep repeating this refrain of this craziness under that and under that banner? Well, since I started the show, it's kind of a way in in aggregating information on my Twitter feed that I've found with journalism is magical and not at all broken, a way to quickly comment on things and bring people's attention. So this is that show which you have watched many episodes mm-hmm. of. I watched the very first episode and it damaged me so much and made such an impression on me that I've never watched another one again. But the way what I got from it is what you have told me about many other episodes is that how are we controlled and manipulated? How are we sheep and how yep. easy is it to do once you get in at the corporate mob level? And that's what we are seeing things that and i'm 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 pulling from all different kind of 
things that are sober-minded, things that are ridiculous, to just point out that the do- the dots here are not connected. I There is something, there's a thing called the coronavirus. It does hurt people. We should be uh, sober-minded about it. But the dots that we are getting from the very beginning in China and how they treated their own people to where we are now in Italy and now in Ivy League campuses, the dots are not connecting. We are not being grown-ups about this. We, and and it's it, and I, I I point out the notion of the black mirrors is it, it, because the notion of it is that it's you know we aren't co- the reflection we're getting back is not resembling reality. We cannot go forward together as a people in honesty. These are the times people keep commenting. Aren't we supposed? To, things are supposed to be set aside. Our games and we come together. The games are getting worse. As Steve said, the dumb is getting dumber. That should show you that this is all politics at an ugly level of politics that is going to DEFCON 5 or 1 or whatever we decided that means. Let's just use DEFCON high. Yes, it's, trying to, <laughs> it's, trying, it's trying to make things worse. Yes. The question then is, why? And yet, but you have to understand, it's all politics, but this is, that's, left america's real religion okay where at the very at the very least it's it's the hermeneutic in which it works out it's it 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 sees as its primary vehicle and vessel for its its utopian religious vision at the very least and so what we see as merely political ideology or policy differences they see that as a vision quest and you're standing in the way of it so if, how big of a worry really is this? And if it is, why don't we shut down the border? It's one of the questions I'll ask Congressman Chip Roy next. All right, reality check. I'm in addition to the one I think we just provided you in the opening segment of the program. But how is that New Year's resolution going? And the number one New Year's resolution every year is to lose weight and eat right, right? Well, uh, studies show normally by this time of year, the vast majority of us, well, what was MSNBC saying? 80% of you will survive coronavirus. That's the good news. Bad news is 20% of you won't. Well, that's pretty much the numbers on your New Year's resolution. About 80% of them fail, usually by this time of year. Why? Because it's really about changing your lifestyle, and that's where Riduzone comes in. Dieting alone is very hard. Working out helps, but you actually get far more uh, comprehensive uh, health benefits from working out than just strictly weight loss because you can't out-train a bad diet. So Riduzone, which is the only FDA-accepted product that includes OEA, that's the naturally occurring molecule that helps you feel full faster and burns stored fat while reducing your calorie intake could be just the helper that you're looking for to get those portion sizes and cravings under control because for most people your problem is not what you're eating but how much all right so if you want to give riduzone a try go to the website riduzone.com r-i-d-u-z-o-n-e for riduzone.com r-i-d-u-z-o-n-e the website's the only place you can get riduzone and if you go there at riduzone.com and use my name steve as a promo code you'll save up to 65 percent off that's a massive discount and they'll throw in free shipping too. All right. Riduzone.com, promo code Steve. Riduzone, R I D U Z O N E, Riduzone.com, promo code Steve. 
Let's go to uh, one of my best buddies, Congressman Chip Roy from Texas. He is with us here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Chip, how are you, man? Well, I'm doing great. I'm actually uh, taking care of my uh, uh, waistline by skipping a barbecue meal right now in order to be on this interview. So you're helping me out. Don't lie to our audience. I know you're a politician now, but we both know the minute you get done from here, you're going to be over there making up for lost time. Don't lie like that. We both know I'm gonna that. Give it, I'm going to give it a run. I don't know. It'll be a close call, but I'll try. So you're okay eating uh, around people, being around people. You're not uh, hunkered down. Uh, you got, if, if With the coronavirus, how are you treating uh, our, our latest crisis, which is clearly a serious health situation? But th- I- I'm sorry, Chip, this has gone absolutely insane. Or am I wrong, Chip? You, you smack me back if I'm wrong. No, I think this is one of those situations where I think we've got a little bit of both, right? We have a whole lot of insanity, a whole lot of uh, panic that is uh, harming the economy and actually which will have, then have consequences for our ability to deal with any illnesses, right? We need a strong functioning economy. We need people uh, going about their daily business, but making sure that they're taking precautions and washing hands and all of the things that any uh, normal uh, behavior would suggest if you're dealing with an illness like this, a virus. Uh, and, and then also take it seriously. We need to, you know, we don't know everything about the virus. And by the way, we need to deal with China. That's a whole separate conversation. The fact that China was at the forefront of this and they didn't share information and that this started, started there. But more importantly, that they've got so much of our supply chain. There's a lot of things that we need to deal with going forward about all this. But for right now, people just need to calm down, go about their normal life, but just be smart. Have hand sanitizer. Wash your hands. Go about, you know, life uh, and don't panic. But, uh, you know, look, we're, we're going to see a slowdown on the airplane coming up to D.C. Uh, yesterday from Austin. Uh, there was about 50 empty seats, and I've never seen that plane not fully sold out in the last five years. I've been going back and forth from Austin to D.C. So uh, we need to make sure that we get out there and, and uh, stay active, keep our businesses going, keep our communities going, but just be smart. So. Your first year in office last year, you spent a lot of time addressing border security. I know you spent a lot of time down at the border, talking with border enforcement, ICE, finding out, you know, trying to separate fact from fiction, right? So this is a this is a virus that originated not on our soil, on foreign soil. It can only come here by way of people coming over the border and bringing it here, right? It, it can't incubate here on its own. It has to be imported to the country, correct? Right. Okay. So then tell me if, if this is worthy of this is this firing up the REM, it's the end of the world as we know it. If it's worthy of that, then, then, then why wouldn't we close the border then chip? I mean, if it, if, cause that's the only way the disease gets here is, is people bringing it here. So why wouldn't we have done what Benjamin Netanyahu did in Israel yesterday where they, where they are going to self quarantine for 14 days. Anybody that comes into the country from abroad, just to make sure they're not carrying it. I mean, we've got a lot bigger border than they do. A lot more people coming across it than they do. So if it's this serious, why aren't we doing that? Well, it's a great question. Of course, you're dating yourself and you're dating me when you're taking me back to, I think about my freshman year of high school with that REM song in reference. But uh, look, you know, um, I think Israel did a smart thing there. Uh, I think uh, Israel often does a lot of smart things when it comes to their sovereignty and their national security. I think our nation uh, should take a little bit of a uh, page out of their playbook when it comes to making good decisions, putting up border walls, putting up barriers to make sure we know who's coming and going into our country. Uh, and in times like this, the president made a very wise decision in shutting down travel coming to from China. But it's not just China, right, as this continues to go worldwide. But here's the real problem, Steve. 
uh, whatever cautions we take in shutting down what's happening uh, coming in and out of our airports or our normal ports of entry, you and I both know our border remains wide open and porous. We're still going to have people coming across our border, uh, even if we shut things down. So uh, that would be a, something we need to consider in terms of the economic impact and the consequences of doing that, right? I mean, how much do you shut down and what does that cause in terms of economic impact? Because whatever we're dealing with with the virus, when we're talking about jobs going down, when we're talking about a slowdown in economy, we're talking about uh, the harms that go with that as well. So I think that the president did the right thing with China. I think we ought to be much more aggressive about what we're doing on the border. Frankly, I think the administration ought to be acting like there is the emergency that they've been claiming is at the border in dealing with the cartels, stopping the illegal flow, uh, containing and tightening down the legal flow at our ports of entry. Uh, we could do a lot more than we're doing. And frankly, I sent a letter to DHS, DOD and HHS uh, a week and a half ago, maybe, maybe a week ago, uh, asking about, hey, what are your plans for dealing with the border? What happens when we have an outbreak of Corona and we've got our facilities down there? And frankly, I haven't gotten a uh, real quick response on this. And I look forward to asking some folks sitting at the table in front of the uh, oversight committee tomorrow. I'm going to ask very pointed questions. What are their plans? What are they doing? And one final note, the government needs to be doing a better job of uh, handling these folks that were repatriated from cruise ships or otherwise. They come dump them in on a military base and then they say, oh, we're just going to ship them off to some local hospital. Uh, and we got federal bureaucrats who are making these decisions and we need to be a little bit better about what we're doing. But all things being equal, uh, you know, the administration did the right thing in slowing down travel from China. Maybe we could be a little more aggressive about that, but they're considering a number of different options even as we speak. You know, we often have to go after um, uh, specious arguments, fallacies when it comes to uh, issues like guns, right? As if, uh, you know, when there's a tragedy, a mass shooting, as if the gun just magically transported itself to the place uh, where the tragedy took place, uh, loaded itself, aimed itself, and opened fire all on its own, uh, you know, as if it has that level of, of you know, ability to, to act self-sufficiently without a shooter, right? So, but on the other hand, that doesn't mean that public policy cannot directly correlate to a particular outcome when it comes to human life, right? right. So if, if, if in, I think it was in December of 2018, the president issued his emergency about the border declaration, right? Was that December of 2018? If we had followed through on that and closed the border uh, to tightly screen everything coming across, uh, except for goods and services that were necessary, and that was it, right? If we had followed through on that, in the year 2019 and now is it suffice to say there wouldn't be a single coronavirus case in the United States, or at least certainly not at the level we're talking about. Well, I think your, your second part of that was the important part. I mean, it's hard to, to say, you know, when we knew what we would know and whether somebody would have traveled here, we've, we've been dealing with some people that are carrying the virus because they were exposed before we knew the, 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 the extent of the virus and, and how far it had spread. And to some degree in a world in which so many people travel around the world, there's a limit to what you can do. However, your point is dead right on. Had we been as aggressive right out of the gate in, in declaring the emergency and acting like it, you're going to mobilize troops to the border. Don't just use it to build a fence. Go mobilize and shut down the border. If we want to shut down the border tomorrow, we can. And by shut down, I mean have operational control of the border. Shut down illegal traffic. Know what the legal traffic is screen the legal traffic and make decisions about the legal traffic that are in our national security interests and in our sovereign in the interests of our sovereignty. This is the thing when you look at the historic prism. We're seeing right now the consequences of globalism. 
We're seeing the consequences of a failed leftist ideology that says we should be so fully integrated uh, with the entire world and have no borders whatsoever that we are left trying to hold on to the vestiges of sovereignty in which we can defend our national interest. You and I both agree and believe in economic concepts and marginal utility and that it's better for certain countries to make certain things and have free trade, all for that. But we shouldn't be so reliant on China that we can't function to get masks or drugs. We shouldn't be so unable to secure our border because our chamber of commerce crowd is so uh, dependent on cheap labor supply while they wink, wink, nod, nod, say they're for border security, but they're really not, that we have no national sovereignty left to hold on to. This is the issue. It is the issue of our day. And, and the left tries to make this about nationalism or hating certain people the way they look. Or No, I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you look like. I just want the United States of America to have a sovereign, uh, uh, to be sovereign and to have a strong border and for us to secure our nation uh, in our own national interest. We don't need to get our military parts and planes from all from China. Would that make any sense from a national security perspective? Uh, and by the way, now we're watching Russia and Saudi Arabia purposely trying to mess with our oil and gas markets. This is what they're doing, dumping a bunch of oil and, and, and working to undermine our uh, long-term infrastructure development for oil and gas. Uh, so I've heard the president rumbling about you know slapping a tariff on some of this oil being dumped by Saudi Arabia, and that may not be a bad idea. I mean, part of this, one last point is, the president's been right about wanting to push back on China. And what has the left been saying for two years other than, well, that's insane, we shouldn't be doing what we're doing with China? There's some real truth to all of that. And the last point is, I've said that I think three times, we must secure our border. We must have operational control of our border, period. This administration has taken three steps of 100. We've got 97 more to go in order to do it. You touched on what I think, in, in my own opinion, is the broader threat to the American people from Corona, um, just because we have a, a medical infrastructure that is, un, you know, the envy of the world, right? So when I when I hear what the mortality rate uh, of, of, of this is going to be another Ebola, we're not Kenya. It's not going to be Ebola in America. We're not Kenya. All right, we have a, a, a vastly different medical infrastructure here, but the supply chain aspect of this. And how many of our goods and services are made in China? And it is, boy, you want to talk about some odd timing. Right when it appeared China was about to at least maybe not lose, but at the very least take a hit in this trade war that Trump initiated. Right at the time that it looked like that and on the heels of the protest in Hong Kong and everything else, lo and behold, here comes uh, this disease, uh, this virus out of the Wuhan province that has now generated, you know, a, a lot of sympathy, rightly, for the Chinese people, assistance for the Chinese government. Well, a lot of our goods and services are made. Uh, or, or, or emanate from there. A lot of our manufacturing that is imported from there. Um, I think that's the broader threat going forward to the American people, given our healthcare infrastructure. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And this is one of the things that, you know, I've been raising this off and on for a while. And I know there's some bills that are out there, but I'm not sure they get right to the heart of it. Uh, we need to have a serious national effort. I think the president and the administration ought to lead this. Uh, in working with our private sector. Uh, you know, we don't like government restrictions. We don't like the government stepping in and saying where something must be made or developed. But we have a national security interest in ensuring that we've got the resources we need to care for our citizenry, to defend our nation, to defend our borders. So, for example, there are basically two, you know, uh, plane makers, right? Boeing and Airbus. Um, where are we getting our parts? And with, Airbus, with uh, Boeing dealing with the uh, 
uh, Max uh, issue that they're dealing with their plane shutdown. You know, these are real issues that start to crop up. You know, we need to have a robust manufacturing base, a robust supply chain in the United States for our national security and our well-being. We were able to, in 1941, start ginning up the war machine because we had a massive manufacturing base. When we had Rosie in there uh, doing the riveting, uh, it was because we had a place to do the riveting. We were able to transform existing manufacturing facilities and go to war to take out Hitler and to take out Imperial Japan. Uh, we need to make sure that we're staying on top of that and that we're not so slave to free trade and so slave to wide open borders of the left. Frankly, those are kind of two sides of a coin, right? Mm -hmm. kind of, the weakness of the right is a slave to, to being uh, you know, free trade. And look, I'm for free trade, as I'm sure you are too. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's got to be, you know, we got to be thoughtful about it. I've been for massively expanding free trade in the Western Hemisphere, uh, where we have more you know, ideological, I think, uh, you know, strength with sort of building strength in the Western Hemisphere uh, than maybe with China. But great, it can be diverse and all over the world, but we can't be reliant on China, Russia, certain adversaries, and frankly, any one country besides ourselves for anything that's critical to our health, well-being, national uh, security, and so forth. So I think it's a major issue that we ought to deal with uh, and get some smart minds together to figure out the best uh, path forward. Chip, final thing I want to ask you about, brother, and I've only I got about two minutes here, is uh, a guy you know very well, Mark Meadows, uh, former head of the House Freedom Caucus, is moving over to White House Chief of Staff. I talked to my audience yesterday about why this is one of the most powerful positions in Washington, in the executive branch. It's uh, it's a rare opportunity for someone who's a conservative to actually hold that kind of a power and leadership position in Washington. What are your thoughts on that? And how much freedom do you think Mark's going to be given in that position? Well, it's always a question, right? I mean, if you're somebody who, who jumps aboard on you know, said my chief of staff or anybody who comes to work for me, I mean, you're, you're kind of falling into work for a particular individual. Uh, Mark's going to have to now go to kind of check himself at the door and go work for the president. And he, he does that. He's a friend of the president. He's been a, you know, kind of a kitchen cabinet friend to him for a while. And I think he will be a sound, uh, uh, you know, chief for him in helping him kind of think through the right ways to go and to factor in all of the various uh, uh, decisions that he needs to consider to make sound uh, conservative policy. So I'm excited that he's there. Um, he's, he's somebody that I can work with. I think he exercises really sound conservative judgment, which will help the, the president going through this year in particular, and then into Lord willing uh, that, uh, that he's reelected and we'll see what happens in the House, that then in the first part of 2021, those first 100 days of the next term, which, you know, second terms are always a little tough to figure out how to structure and really come in and, 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 and do what you need to do to, to, to govern as president. So I think it's a good thing. I would also like to say, look, you know, a lot of shots get taken at Mick. Um, you know, he's been there for, what, 18 months or whatever he's been doing. Um, and, you know, a lot of good things have been done. And there's been a lot of things behind the scenes trying to fight and hold the line on certain spending priorities and stuff. You and I don't see it. They've signed bills that you and I wouldn't have chosen to sign. Uh, but there are other decisions that are made often that I think uh, people don't know about. And it is a very difficult job. And we should thank Mick for his service and trying to go over to the White House and hold the line over there. It is no, no easy task under any president. Uh, but particularly one will just say as strong-willed as the current president. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for joining us, Congressman Chip Roy from Texas. God bless, brother. Hey, God bless. Thanks for what you do, my friend. You bet. Take care. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts on uh, the conversation we had here about a minute ago uh, with Chip Roy? Well, that's the opposite of a black mirror right there. A, a grown-up conversation, 
one that you're not seeing happen uh, hardly uh, anywhere. It's not born out of hysteria. It's born out of a sober-minded calculus of looking at the real variables, the tangibles in life, and not constantly elevating the psychosis, the emotion to the top of every chart and then deleting everything else. Um, unfortunately, uh, in Congress there, Chip is surrounded by far too uh, few grownups. Uh, they probably aren't even at the, the, the buffet. Chip's going to race back to his buffet and that's going to be empty too because of everybody's got crazy things to do other than eating good old fashioned barbecue. Yeah, I, I particularly uh, appreciate the the notion about the kind of the, the thoughts on the supply chain, because let's just be honest, how many things are manufactured or have we outsourced to Mexico? Mexico, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I may be stepping out on a limb here. I, I don't think they have a better healthcare system than China does. And look at, at look at China's lack of success in being able to to treat this virus or whatever it you know whatever whatever its origins were look how many things we rely even upon mexico for i mean most of our work that is imported from there as well all that is to say what happens when something is uh, something something some outbreak happens in mexico what what happens then and we're reliant upon we're reliant upon whatever we are from from mexico just something at our actual doorstep that's going to be even more serious than what's happened here in the last few months really is weird timing that this virus comes right after you're getting dinged in a trade war. You had mass protest over there in Hong Kong. It's yeah, just hmm. really weird. Ah, I mean, random chance, right? Nothing like it. Bat soup. We're back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio podcast. My name is Steve Dace, Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and they're here with me as well. If you are listening to us today via the podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review because the more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow, and then the more likely we are to get to grow along with it. So we're the ones doing the show and not somebody else that you like more. If you haven't yet left us a five-star review, please consider doing so. Thank you to all of you, the thousands of you that have left us those reviews on various podcast platforms already. Please keep them coming. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com. Last name is D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Uh, before we get to fake news or not, I want to go back because uh, I don't want to be irresponsible. Okay. I, and um, I, I, I don't want to hint. You know, subtlety is not kind of just how we roll around here, right? That's just not our bag. Correct. All right. I, I'm not, I want, I want to make it clear. I'm, I wasn't trying to hint last segment that the chain of events, a trade war, China is facing that on one front from the United States, facing mass protests and instability in its most prominent financial sector, Hong Kong, on the other and it's trying to deal with both of those things at the exact same time. The kind of uh, juice that isn't worth the squeeze, if you know what I'm saying. And it's getting it from both ends. 
and it's already attempting to make some concessions in the trade war to get the U.S. off its back. And lo and behold, here comes a pandemic from within its own borders, from within the Wuhan province. That just so happens to take a lot of those headlines and tensions off the radar. I am, I am not, I don't, I, I want to make it very clear. I am not hinting, all right, that I, that I think the Chinese unleash this on their own people to strengthen their geopolitical positioning. I'm flat out alleging it. I'm not hinting it. I'm, I'm going to flat out allege it. it. This is, after all, the one child nation doesn't have much regard for its own people. It runs them over with tanks. Doesn't have much regard for its own people. It it has killed more of its own people than probably any regime has killed any amount of people in world history when you look at its one-child policy. So I, I want to make it very clear, I'm not being irresponsible and just kind of floating out there, whack job notions, and letting you connect the dots with a wink and a nod. No, I'm, I wouldn't do that. I'm far more, we, we try to practice far more responsibility than that. So I'm going to flat out allege it. Thank you. Can I add one thing real you may, quick? You may, I, yes. I, you know, I don't, I don't think that's far out there when their explanation is literal bat poop. So. Yes. Which, did you know that's the plot of a movie? That's a, that's a plot of a, mo- of a pandemic Hollywood film in the last, I'm trying to remember which one it was. In the last decade, that was actually the plot of a movie is bat droppings from China lead to a viral pandemic. I'm not, I'm not kidding. That, that, that's a plot of a movie. So no, I'm 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 not trying to be uh, uh, too smart by half. I'm going to just go ahead and directly allege it, flat out. Actually, thank you. Fake news or not, brought to you by our friends over at Home Title Lock, who want to remind you of the sad tale of Deborah. She learned the hard way. What happens when thieves find out our home's titles are kept online? They forged their way on to her title, literally took ownership of her home. In an instant, they owned it. She ended up getting evicted from her home, lost over $80,000 in equity, and then there were thousands of dollars in legal fees she had to pay to eventually try to get it all back. You don't want to be next. So that's why you need Home Title Lock to protect the most important investment most Americans will ever have, their own home. All of our titles are kept online nowadays and thieves are looking, they're on the prowl, trying to take advantage of your equity, of your property. No insurance or bank protects you, but Home Title Lock does. Right now, you could already be a victim of home title fraud, that's what the FBI calls it, and not even know it. So register your home today at HomeTitleLock.com. 
That's HomeTitleLock.com. Enter the code Steve and you'll get one free month of protection as well. Promo code Steve at HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to fake news or not. This is where I have selected a series of clips. These are from the persons and platforms that claim to be bringing what's left of America, the real news. But are they fake news or not? And we begin with this clip from Charles Payne at Fox Business, who says the market wants to hear from President Trump. He is about to climb into the beast. We are wondering if um, the president might say a few words to sort of calm these markets. It doesn't appear that he's going to do that today. Uh, Well, no, he's not getting into the presidential limousine right away. In fact, he's walking past it. So perhaps there will be remarks from President Trump. Uh, You can hear the crowd that has been invited there uh, to assemble on the tarmac at at Orlando Airport um, screaming for the president. The market wants to hear from President Trump. uh, The sooner, the better. President, by the way, walking with Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, was the gentleman uh, that he was speaking to to his right. But you see Charles Payne butt in there right at the end of that clip. Hey, the market wants to hear from President Trump. Is that fake news or not? Todd, you get to start. Uh, oh, well, he knows the the market better than I do and the people that comprise it. Uh, I, okay, I'll take that at face value. But w- what do they w- want to hear? Uh, again, is it the kind of conversation we just had with Chip Roy in the past hour? Do, are they willing to entertain those things? Or do they just want some weird mommy hem of skirt pat on the head i mean that's my like what what do they want to hear charles i don't he's this is again where i think he's been as sober-minded about anybody in this and basically taking this relax posture which does not mean nothing has been done at all and we can talk about whether the things that have been done also like shutting down the border good bad otherwise uh not shutting down the border in the case it's uh, in his case but uh, he 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 has not do you want him to do what china did do you do you want him dragging people into vans spraying this white haze throughout cities i don't know what do you want to hear charles i don't that was again it seemed very emotional very psychologically uh based but i don't know what would it take for donald trump to say and who would need to be standing next to him ben carson what kind of ringleaders what kind of tinfoil hats would they need to be wearing so i guess this is fake news to the extent that i just don't this this seems like you just want to be hugged i don't that's that's not good enough. And it just plays into the emotional pandering that seems to be everybody wants on both sides and increasingly on the right. The name of that movie you were talking about, Steve, it's Contagion. Uh, That's it, right. Yeah. Yes. I actually saw that in theaters. One of the few movies that and I saw. And Hubei in is the province, by the way. Wuhan is the city. I kept calling it the province, right? Right. But it's the, yeah. the movie's plot that the, a bat drop or a bat drops a piece of banana in China, and that's the origins of the yes. of the virus that spreads globally. Um, so I think this is fake news. I, I don't think that there's basically anything that Donald Trump could say right now that would slow slow this panic down because it's going to be because the panic is not driven by the markets necessarily it's not driven by president trump uh response whatever you think of that it's driven by the media 
So they're going to keep panicking no matter what. So no matter what Trump says, they're going to keep panicking. And then that's going to I mean, it's just the self-fulfilling prophecy here that we've dropped a couple of times. So it's total fake news. I don't I don't think the market wants to hear necessarily from President Trump because it doesn't matter what 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 he says. It's just going to be it's going to be used as fodder some way or another by the media to continue the, the, the panic. So if I were in the political office of the White House, here's what I would say to him. If he came to me and said, hey, should I do this? My, what I would tell him is understand if you do that. If you go out and try to make a, a direct paternal type of appeal to the markets, the way Charles Payne is advocating. Um, the, the same media forces that are trying to create an apocalyptic tribulation level event. They will go into triple overdrive. To, to tank the markets all the more because then they can turn around and say, and say, see, not even a collegial word from the president himself could slow this down. They've lost confidence in the Trump White House because I think that's what all of this is about. That's why I'd, I'd tell them to be very careful about doing what Charles Payne is advocating. There. And, you know, the markets aren't, I, I'm, I'm going back to my high school econ class, but is, aren't they supposed to be guided by the invisible hand and not the sweet nothings of Donald Trump or anybody else? I mean, yeah, make well, your own decisions. With all due respect to your notion, 1973 called and said it would like its economics back. Yeah, that, that's just not the way this has worked our entire it's, lives. It's supposed to be guided by the invisible um, hand of the, the, the federal. Yeah, of, it, of the, yeah, the, Fed, the invisible yeah. hand of fiat currency and, and notions and fake business cycles and bailouts. It's guided by that. Yeah, it, it should be guided by what you're talking about there, Mr. Smith. Uh, but it is not. It is it is guided by the fantastical. That's what's guiding it. All right, let's let's get to our next clip here. And th- is, is it a catastrophic overreaction? As we stand on the brink of a catastrophic overreaction to coronavirus, of course, no one should minimize it. And we must do all we can to stop preventable deaths. But it seems to me that we've got a bunch of people in leadership positions in the media, in business, in Congress, who are running around maximizing coronavirus without a thought for the harm they may be causing. Aaron, you get to tackle this one first, fake news or not. So there's a quote uh, from one of my uh, one of my favorite shows, uh, Arrested Development, where the newscaster is on the screen and uh, he's doing a story about weapons of mass destruction. And he says, uh, weapons of mass destruction found in Iraq, what it means for your weekend next. I love that quote because it's a complete, complete minimization um, and reduction of the actual situation. This is this. What we're seeing from the people that Steve Hilton is describing there is the complete opposite. That's the I mean, that's the power of the Overton window. Um, And I think I mean, uh, Hilton is is I think right on the money there. Yes, the overreaction is what is catastrophic. It's what Dr. Drew said uh, in the montage, as as fantastical as it may seem for him to be the voice of reason, as you pointed out in, in the first segment of the show. That's what he said. It's it's the overreaction. The virus of our the 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 virus is the is uh, the the real va- virus is just the psychosis that all of us that all of us are indulging in to some level regarding this regarding this Wuhan coronavirus. That's a completely I, what what Hilton said. That's a completely 
I think reasonable thing to say. Yeah, we take it seriously. There's no reason to go fight over toilet paper when this virus really it rarely affects that end of affects that end of uh, of your body. I mean, come on. So this is totally uh, not fake news. Yeah, this is the second time we've had this dude on the show mm-hmm. where he's just. Sorry, I, don't know I can't if, get over that toilet paper yeah. is the uh, the tip. The tip of, this, of despair when it comes to the uh, the the coming apocalypse is toilet paper. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. the antithesis. There's a story in the Atlantic right now about shut it all down, everything. Everybody go to their corners. Do I don't I how how does they look out at the rest of the world and see that that's that's really taking on. A real dragon that lives in a real closet somewhere. It's it. It absolutely is not. We can't, This is not the 14th century. We actually have sanitation and hygiene and other things. It is, and we know things about. Even though there's things we don't know because of China handle it, we now have enough anecdotal evidence about uh, how this works that. The, the the those who are affected adversely are definitely from a, mostly from a specific age group in ill health and the number who it's happened to are far less than the numbers being being reported because of the gestation rate it's out it's probably out there with a lot of people just feeling like they have a cold and getting over the crud that's encouraging but we're so fear-based we're so easily manipulated by the black mirror so here we are. This guy just isn't having it. He's the, he's Steve's favorite gift, the WTF gift. So here's one of the things I think that this is really about. Okay. This push that you're now seeing in sports media. Um, well, we got to play NCAA tournament games with no fans. All right. So if, if you think your mainstream news media is absolutely in the tank for the Democratic Party. Sports media people, all the slurp, twice the dumb. They're okay. going to ruin this, aren't they? Yeah. So Des Moines, I, I went and looked this up while you were talking. Because as you were talking, it got me, it, something you said triggered me to look this up. Des Moines got the NCAA tournament for the first time in 2016. Noah and I went. Economic impact is estimated for the city of Des Moines was at least $5 million out of that. Okay. I'm looking at a 2016 article from Forbes. So this is four years old now. All right. The city of Houston was hosting the final four that year. The city said it expected to generate at least $300 million in revenue from hosting just the final four. The city of Dayton, which hosts that first four play-in game. Uh, the two play-in games every year, or is it four now? It's four play-in games, all right? The city of Dayton has, uh, as of 2016, estimated it's generated $66 million uh, in prosperity and, in, and revenue from just hosting the play-in games, you know, Radford versus Winthrop, okay? Just those games, all right? When F- Philadelphia was estimating in 2016 when it hosted the Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight, that it was going to make upwards of $20 million of an economic boost for the community. Okay? So, if you're trying to create an economic slowdown and an economic panic, you do things like that. You do things like 
Don't travel. Don't go to these places. Don't spend money. Stay where you are. Stay in your homes. And of course, keep your TVs tuned in to us on the feedback, on the panic stricken feedback loop. Don't do things that actually contribute to the economic growth because then we might not get the election outcome we want in November. And again, I, I want you, I want to make it very clear. I am not, I am not irresponsibly hinting at things. I'm flat out claiming it and alleging it. Flat out alleging it. Yes, Aaron. It's D-E-A-C-E. Thank you. Yes. Right wing watch. Thank you. Matters. Thank you Can for I that. Say Appreciate one, that. Yes. One more thing. Yep. Because it happens to do with what uh, I went through personally last week. People on the right now are coming back and saying with uh, flat out, you know, smart ass responses about how somehow it's not nice to say, well, it's it's old people, uh, who, you know, with uh, compromised immune systems that are getting this as if that's okay. Yes, we just want all of them to die. No, it's just talking about the reality of this cycle of life. Technically speaking, my father, who passed away one week ago, died of pneumonia because that's what the final thing he got. It could have been the flu, but he was 73 year old man in a very compromised state of health, which, as Steve talks about, even in guys like the very old men running for president of the United States, mm-hmm. you know, Things happen. I'll believe that this thing is a pandemic that we need to end our lives in America over when they, when three things occur. They, they shut down the border to stop importing more people who are carrying this, number one. Because open border is the political system's shibboleth. That's its main shibboleth of the dam. Number two, when a judge attempts to say you can't do that, the system says, screw that judge. We have to preserve and save ourselves. Because next to an open border, what's or maybe even ahead of open borders, what is the main shibboleth of the Dan for the political system? Black robes. But yeah, the judge's rule. Okay. And then number three, an 80-year-old man with who clearly has dementia and is going around the country as we speak, shaking every damn yes. hand he can get his hand on. This is not real, folks. We tell him, stop campaigning. Yes. You're spreading coronavirus. Exactly. When those three things happen... You guys have all the time off you need. All right? Paid. Until then, this is a lie. The Not the disease, the panic is a lie. Don't let them lie to you. Let's skip the Bernie Cuba clip, Aaron. All right? Let's go to this. Can we do that? Yep. All right? This is the U.S. Surgeon General talking about coronavirus. Is this fake news or not? We've got new data emerging. We know that the average age of people who are dying from coronavirus is 80 plus. We know that the average age of people who are needing medical care and advanced medical care is 60 plus. And so what we're telling folks is that if you're in an at-risk group, meaning you're elderly and or you have comorbidities, heart disease, lung disease, you're immunosuppressed for whatever reason, that you should be taking extra precautions not to put yourself in a situation where you may be exposed. There it is. There it is, a grown-up talking. Not what 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 uh, Aaron's uh, intro on the show with uh, from the two towers or Return of the Fifth. Yes, yeah. Run for your no. I mean, again, yes. This is the advice I would have told my father. It, it, 
it 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 for the most yes and and there are the anomalies there are the blips that don't apply to the bell bell curve there always are with coronavirus or something else i but i i just don't it this is this is telling us way more about us for the most part that it is telling us anything about the coronavirus if we are this easily manipulated once again uh this this thing called the american revolution we've talked about does it even exist anymore do we need to recover it this once again is proving yes we are not a people that can sustain uh, the kind of de- uh, democracy that the founding father is envisioned if we can be so easily manipulated this guy offers solid food Agreed. That's not fake news unless they're just making up making up statistics at the at the uh, at the CDC. And I mean, assume you're being lied to. But good good grief, this is when it's the same advice that you give yourself and any loved one in that situation. It's not news that older people don't have immune systems that work quite as well as younger healthy people. Is that new? I don't think that's news. So he's basically just stating old news there. And this is, again, the virus itself. Yes, it's new, uh, novel. That's the, it's, it's a new strain of, of coronavirus, which means that people are getting infected with it because our immune systems are, are learning how to cope with it. That's that's why that's at least that's how I understand. That's why it's it's spreading uh, so fast. And it's it. That's just the nature. But it's not it's not like the freaking uh, hantavirus where it's just killing people uh, who are otherwise healthy, young people, uh, you know, within within days. It, it's not it's not a doomsday virus. At least uh, we have no information that would suggest it is. And so it's just common sense. But of course, we don't have common sense anymore. We have mass panic and hysteria and probably not toilet paper because that's all been bought from Costco. So there's that. And and Drew Pinsky Drew Drew Pinsky is is now Augusta. Next, uh Ben Carson knows a thing or two about medicine, I think, on coronavirus. Fake news or not? Also, it's very important for people to understand that the vast majority of people who actually contract the virus are only going to have flu-like symptoms or less. Many of them will be asymptomatic altogether. So, you know, there's a little bit of uh, exaggeration in terms of what happens if you contract well, but the but virus. That's not that- Fake news or not? What have I been saying, man? I mean, what have I been saying? It's just about whether you want to hear it or not. So it's like, are we the are we the people of reason or science or not? Do we even want to be? That's the thing. I, I need I need to believe that uh, Jesus will return on a hello pad in Jefferson City, Missouri. I need to believe that Jesus will return in 1988. I need to believe this. I need to. And how dare you take my fairy tale away from me? I I, I need to believe this. They the, need to believe this too. And this is really important. Fake news. There are lots of conservatives who are blue check marks in the Twitter sphere who are fall. They'll say if if as soon as the coronavirus vaccine is uh, is created, it should be mandated to all. This is a 
pressure point of who we are as a people right now. It's unbelievable how many people who fancy themselves conservatives will quickly turn into anti-science tyrants when it comes to this kind of stuff. They're constantly living in a level of fear that can be easily manipulated. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's left to say about this. It's just the more we talk about it, the more pissed off, the more pissed off I get. Yeah, because it's, it's getting it's just it's, it's getting dumber. It's it, yeah. it's gotten it's, dumber since we got I, on the air. It's getting I, dumber. I listen to the, the the morning show on our on our local sports talk station every morning, and they've got different topics, and they're pretty pretty funny. This morning, I had my twenty minute commute because I was stuck in traffic, which is twenty minutes is a long time in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, <laughs> we finna kill yeah, each other over we, something like that. <laughs> the whole time they were talking about coronavirus and I know. which sporting I events know. may or may not be canceled because of this. I, it's just, and, and they're going, they're going to do this. When you're convinced going the to earth be, is done in 10 years because of what the temperature might be 10,000 years from now, you want a tribulation, man. You're cruising for a bruise and, and you want and one. you noted on Twitter, I don't know if it was this morning or last night, Steve, that, uh, that, uh, you know, you're going to be putting yourself and we're going to be putting ourselves in quarantine uh, next Thursday yes. and, and Friday. Announcing that now. Yes. yes. Um, they're going they're going to ruin the damn tournament. They're going to do that. Leftists ruin everything they touch. Everything. Absolutely everything. Let's let's do this. I haven't said this in a while. Let's change topics and hear from Carl Rove. The will, you know, the excitement that existed between Saturday and Tuesday uh, for uh, Joe Biden, we don't know how long that's going to continue to that same degree. I doubt that it's going to last all the way through March. And next week, there are going to be some states, Idaho, North Dakota, Washington State, where Sanders is going to do well. The big questions are going to be Michigan and to a lesser extent, Missouri. Mississippi is going to be strong for Biden. And, you know, how that all comes out uh, is going to be affected to some degree by how the men conduct themselves between now and next Tuesday. So I, I chose this clip because Karov has made a career out of being a status quo establishment mouthpiece. And here he is with a rare contrarian take. Because everybody thinks now is saying this thing is done. It's over. It's just a matter of how long it, it takes Bernie to decide that he can't, he, you know, he, he needs to get out, it, that, that Biden is done. And Chuck Todd was saying yesterday, Bernie Sanders campaign has two weeks to live. Well, here is, it doesn't get any more, you know, establishment to status quo than Karl Rove saying, I mean, he doesn't really think the, the Biden momentum will continue through the month of March. He thinks this was largely uh, something that was generated between South Carolina and Super Tuesday. Fake news or not? What do you think? Oh, it's 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 not fake news because of what we just, I just saw. wanted to recognize Carl Rove attempting an original thought. That's why well, I chose the clip. It's what so. we just saw today after you actually picked this clip for watch. But it's viral on our Twitter feed right now. What Joe Biden told a guy, a gun owner to you know go blank himself or something. And he's, the, no, he's that he's full of blank, blank full of blank. Yeah. And he threatened to slap him. Now, here's the thing. He's Joe is going to continue to say all kinds of crazy things. It depends on what kind of crazy, because this is actually going to work in his favor because this is actually Trumpian crazy. And as much as the left says they hate Trump, they just, they just yeah. hate him because he's a D who turned into an R. Yep. If they, they want their Donald Trump and he's saying stuff like that. So it's a good, for, but he's going to not forget his name tomorrow. So that's not a good version of Joe Biden. So, yeah. yeah so long as the debates are still on the schedule. Um, I, I still, I think that Carl Rove yeah. uh, has a chance of being yep. correct there. I right, were to come back some pop culture Tuesday, a rarity. 
a mainstream motion picture that depicts the, depicts the church in a positive and in its proper light. We'll get into that here in a moment. Stay tuned. We've had Dr. Duke Pesta on this show several times over the years. He's got a podcast as well. He's a tenured professor of English at the University of Wisconsin, but he's also the director of Freedom Project Academy and leading the fight against the left's takeover of government education. Uh, When we think about the decline in public schools, you think of California, New York, not a Catholic elementary school who shares LGBTQ books, a Kentucky bill that requires sex ed in kindergarten or proposed LGBT school in Alabama. If you're sick of leftists trying to indoctrinate your kids, please consider Freedom Project Academy. We had it in our home uh, for several years. Noah went here, I think, for three years. And only reason we took him out is he just had sports and extracurricular interests that had us uh, put him in uh, Des Moines Christian instead. But we would speak very highly of it. In fact, we are because I'm speaking now that I just made it weird. Our home speaks very highly of it. FPA is an accredited classical online school built on Judeo-Christian values for students K through 12, complete with an interactive educational experience. In a way, it's kind of like having a coronavirus epidemic. Right. You've got Ohio State now saying for the whole month of March, students are going to take their classes virtually online. There's talk that Michigan and a bunch of other schools are going to be following suit maybe as soon as today. Look at it as you're preparing your kid for what life will be like in the corona apocalypse when they will be going to a class in a college, all their college classes online in a virtual setting. Right. Get prepared now because that's how they roll over at Freedom Project Academy. They're corona compliant. Over there at FPA. All right. So they've got a lot of cool classes as well to really vary your child's uh, learning experience. Uh, And more importantly, they teach students how to think, not what to think. So if you want to request a free information packet today, go to freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com to learn more. Well, let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. This is when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And I uh, saw a movie last week. Uh, it's rated R. So I'm going to warn you. It, it earns its R rating. It it's, doesn't have a, you know, a bunch of gore or uh, gratuitous sex and nudity. None of that. Um, but uh, it, it earns its R rating with uh, f- way too frequent uses of the F-bomb. And <clears throat> I, I happen to be one who thinks that in a certain setting, if you want to, I, I don't think it's ever required. Right. Like we watch all kinds of movies that were made in the in the 30s, 40s, 50s and really into the mid 60s that do just a, a perfectly fine job portraying and articulating dramatic events. In a way that is gripping and entertaining, and some of them are some of the most famous movies in the history of Hollywood. Right. And they, they managed to do it without going there with the language. They, they somehow managed to pull it off. Okay. But I also understand why in certain settings, artistically, it it drives a point home in terms of trying to communicate, like in Hacksaw Ridge, right? You, if Mel Gibson's really trying to communicate in that film, 
what was really going on while this one guy was sticking to his pacifist principles. But not everybody has time while they're getting their legs blown off by, by, by Japs and Nazis to say please and thank you, right? I, I kind of understand that too. The movie The Way Back takes it way too far. Like it's just, I mean, I, 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 like I've said before, I grew up in a home environment and the way all my coaches talked, I, 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 I thought until like the 10th grade, the F-bomb was like my name. Okay, I mean, I, I just, that's just how we got addressed. I mean, scout leaders. Um, and my mom was a scout leader. <laughs> I thought that was my name until about the 10th grade. Then I realized, no, that's, I wasn't, that wasn't on my birth certificate. Okay. Um, the movie goes too far with it. And that's why it's rated R is for that. But I will say this though. Ben Affleck's new film offers one of the most positive and biblical portrayals of the church I have seen in, in quite some time in a mainstream film. That that the church wasn't, well, let me say, like the, the original, like the Conjuring movies cast the church in a pretty positive light. But that's in a different construct obviously that's a different genre horror i mean like everyday life not extraordinary supernatural circumstances but the everyday demons we face it is rare to see the church portrayed in the positive and biblically accurate role that ben affleck's new movie the way back portrays the church so mild spoiler spoiler warning uh but this is the this is the gist of the film is Ben Affleck plays a, 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 a man, middle-aged guy, whose life has fallen apart. And his alma mater, the Catholic school that he attended and was one of its great players, in fact, the last time that they were a contender for the championship in the Catholic League out there in L.A., he was the, uh, he was the star player. Considered one of the top high school recruits in the country, got offered a full ride by elite programs like Kansas. But... Um, because of abuse uh, from his dad growing up, uh, never fulfilled his potential, got involved with drugs and alcohol and other forms of self-medication. Um, went through one bit of rehab and, and met a woman that eventually became his wife that kind of inspired him to get out of that pit. And he's just getting his life back together now, uh, well into his 30s. Him and this woman, his new wife, they have a child. And it looks like, you know, he's good to go. He's set. And the child gets cancer and dies. And that, that sends him back into a tailspin again. Uh, his marriage is, has been separated for a year. His wife is broken from the experience as well. Um, he's back to medicating with, with, with booze. She's medicating with other men. And out of the blue, one day, his alma mater, the, the Catholic school that he, that he played at when he was a kid, uh, the priest who oversees the school for the parish, the archdiocese there, calls him in. The, uh, the old basketball coach is retiring, and he calls him in and offers him the job, even in the current state that he's in. Tries to give him a chance 
you know, a little bit uh, of, uh, uh, of what St. Paul says, I think it's in Colossians. Keep your mind focused on things above. Tries to give him some some heavenly inspiration to get him out of the pit, get him thinking of things and people other than himself all the time. He decides to go ahead and take the job after originally turning it down. And slowly but surely, he begins to turn his life around. Um, but then, but then what happens is one of the families that they got close to when their child was in hospice for cancer. And this family had a miracle remission and they thought that he was good to go. They go to his, they go to his birthday party and everything else. And then what happens is he has a relapse and it's terminal. And that brings all those demons back into uh, Ben Affleck's characters uh, life all over again. And he falls back into medication and the church catches him doing this. Now, there's a dilemma, right? Because the team is now playing really well. They've won like nine in a row. They're one game away from making the playoffs, which they haven't made in the 25 years since Ben Affleck's character was a player there. Typically, we would see, we would see the church do what here? In a movie like this, it would be portrayed as um, either way too legalistic and strict about it, or more than likely, it would let it go. Right? The, the fallacies of legalism or licentiousness. What happens here is that. The church actually is the church. It offers him help. But then says, you, you can't coach the kids and be a drunk. Can't set that example for the kids. You can't be the basketball coach. And in what I think is the best scene in the movie, from a worldview perspective, Affleck's character goes back and forth with the priest who oversees the school and the, and the, and the archdiocese who hired him. That goes back and forth and he uses like all the cliches that, that, that are used against the church to get us to water down our standards. He, he essentially uses them all in this, in this back and forth with the priest. And the priest doesn't lose his temper. He doesn't get angry. Doesn't get, uh, you know, doesn't wag a bony finger. He just stands his ground. Says no. No. We're doing this because we care about you. We want to help you. But it's clear you need a level of help that requires some time away from, from coaching young men. The fact that you so easily relapsed indicates you've got, you've, you need some repentance and some healing. You can't coach this team. Now, Affleck's character recognizes the wisdom of these words and right then and there drops to his knees and says, thank you, I'd like to convert. That's not what happens. You're laughing because you knew that's not how it happened. He gets really mad, storms out actually. I was going to say, was this a troll the whole time? Did no, you just pull an Aaron McIntyre? He's got, he's got a few F-bombs for the priest on the way out, as a matter of fact. 
And and what I've failed to mention is during the course of, of his original stint with the team, he's assigned a chaplain that travels with him and the team and overseas to make sure that he's on the up and up and and is handling his business. It's not just him one-on-one with these players. There's a there's a priest full-time that chaperones him, essentially. And that chain of events, though, at the end, where the church refuses to bend its standard while offering him assistance and help, it refuses to bend its standard. So say, you have violated the code for leadership, the code of conduct. You cannot lead right now. Even though he gets mad and angry, which is, which is the real reason most of our churches won't hold the line because they don't want to put up with the outburst that Ben Affleck's character does in this film. They don't want to put up with the, the, the Twitter trolling, the, the, uh, the local news pointing out you're just a bunch of haters. They don't want to put up with that. Okay. And then you won't tithe either, Steve. That's, that's right. A biggie. Yeah, that's a biggie too. But you know what? The church's refusal to lower its standard for this winning basketball coach is is ultimately what causes him to hit finally hit rock bottom and once and for all seek the the healing and repentance that he needs. And that's how the film ends is with him in the process of getting that while the team and and the rest of life goes on. There's not some magical Hoosiers moment at the end. This is a morality tale. I I did not expect that. In fact, I was I started I braced myself in the theater when we got to the scene where the church confronts him for relapsing. Because I thought for sure this is going to get this is going to get portrayed in the one dimensional nature. These sorts of conflicts where the church is involved often get portrayed, right? That the church often either looks the other way because you know people are coming to the games, we're winning games now, and we're making the state playoffs. The stands are full. There's excitement, or. That it would that the church would hold the line, but would look so villainous and unreasonable in doing so, that it it the message to the viewer is clear: holding a standard is 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 terrible. And instead, it it didn't do that. It actually demonstrated, on one hand, the very the very murky, dirty, problematic process of conversion. And the mistakes we make and the sins we commit and the regrets we have along the way. In fact, at one point, after he comes to grips with his own repentance, Affleck's character says, I should have done this a long time ago. I I found it remarkable, actually. Now, if you can't get around the language, I don't blame you. It's a distraction. And I'm no shrinking violent, man. It is a distraction. I want you to know that. Okay, going in. Um, but at the heart of this here is the sort of story in a mainstream film we don't typically get offered, and it's really well done. Now, you guys haven't seen this movie yet. You have any thoughts on what I just said? I haven't seen it, but now what I was hearing in the press last week a little bit, and again, I was only slightly 
dialed in. But he was talking about, it must have been press avails for this movie, Ben Maffleck was personally talking about how he blew it with his ex-wife, Jennifer yep. Garner. Yes. Yeah. And how he, uh, um, you know, she's, and she, as we know, uh, what, five years ago, was in that Christian movie about her daughter who had a health issue but right. had a miraculous. So there's, right. th- th- it very much, he should have done that a long time ago, realized what he had there, tapped into what she had, because all, by all understanding, she's been a really good wife and mother and trying to keep it together as long as she could. Yeah, and, and on that note as well, I mean, Affleck is, I mean, I, I'm guessing that performance is what you're describing based partly uh, by the fact that uh, Affleck himself has been an alcoholic before and yeah. has been through a relapse before yeah, as well. Yeah, it's personal. He's had so the, he's, he's faced some of these same demons. E- exactly. So that that sounds like and 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 the way the church is is portrayed in the movie it sounds like all all the more reason to to want to see it. I I think that um the reason we don't see this more often is because in our nature we are in our basic nature we are that line Ben Affleck uses at the end of the film we know we all know we all know we should have done this a long time ago we know it And sometimes we're stubborn about it because we just enjoy the particular sensation that that particular, whatever that particular self-medication provides. But you know what I think it is a lot of times? I don't think that's, I don't think there's, I don't think that's the issue most of the time. I don't. I, I think the issue for us most of the time is we hate ourselves. We think we're unworthy of that level of grace and forgiveness. And, and that's true. We are. That's why it's called grace. But we think we're unworthy of it. And it can't be that simple. And it's not for us, but for other people. And that causes us to sink even further into the self-medication to numb that self-loathing. I think that's what it is most of the time. And and that is the character arc of Ben Affleck's character. He wants to punish himself as well. Couldn't save his son. Wasted his potential as a star basketball player. Couldn't keep his marriage together. He wants to flog himself. And then when the pain is too much, then he hits the bar at night to numb himself. That's the cycle. He's driven by self-loathing. Far more than he is driven by, I'm, you know, just a, I'm sowing my wild oats and I'm having a blast. And I think the depiction of the honesty of that makes that a very powerful film. That's going to do it for today's program. We're going to stick around and do some overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we are back at it again tomorrow. Coronavirus willing. Noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.